You're listening to Truth Jihad Radio on the internet airwaves since 2006 and crowdfunded since around 2010. By crowdfunding this show, you are saving me from having to rely on funding from the governments, the corporations, and the usual suspects, uh, including the mainstream media, so I can call it exactly the way I see it. Please do subscribe. You can go to truthjihad.com. And you'll land on a page where you will see subscribe at Substack. You could click there or you could just go to kevinbarrett.substack.com. The key thing is don't be inhaling, don't be ingesting. Stay inside, don't drink or eat anything. These are important questions. I understand that. Highest moment the last eight years. Hmm. Highest moment the last eight years. Well, I think that the most important, the most compelling was uh, was 9-11 itself. Welcome. This is the special live edition of Truth Jihad Radio. I'm Kevin Barrett doing this show from an old, decrepit, former ice cream trailer parked in an undisclosed location deep in the woods of western Wisconsin. So deep in the woods that I'm not even sure the satellites can penetrate all of this thick foliage overhead and get a beat on me. Hopefully not. In any case, we have another great show coming up tonight. We're commemorating 1,400 years of Hijra. What, you may ask, is Hijra? Well, 1,400 years ago, the Prophet Muhammad, peace upon him, arrived in Medina al-Munawara after leaving the oppression of Mecca under the uh, oppression of the Qurayshi oligarchs, whose method of rule resembled some of the oligarchs today, and founded a new society that became the Islamic Ummah. For the full version of that, you can watch my video of the khutbah I gave today, 1400 years of Hijra. You can find that video by way of, well, kevinbarrett.substack.com. You'll find it there, I guess. 1,400 years of Hijra and 2.5 years of Plandemic. So tonight's radio show is focusing on the Plandemic. In the second hour, Catholic philosophers Thaddeus Kaczynski and Peter Simpson will both come on to talk to each other, as well as me, about Thaddeus's new article, What Matters Right Now Is Your Soul. And it's pretty hardcore. Uh, Thaddeus Kaczynski is one of the most outspoken intellectuals who's still employed one way or another in the academy on the subject. And Peter Simpson isn't afraid of it either. I really have to shout out to those guys. First hour, let's get going here. Lori Price of Citizens for Legitimate Government has been in the forefront of spreading the kind of news that the oligarchs don't particularly want you to see. And those oligarchs have gotten a lot nastier and more pernicious in their censorship in the last five, 10 years, and particularly in the last 2.5 years of pandemic, Now they're not even letting citizens for legitimate government send out emails anymore. If you subscribe to their email digest and Yahoo has any kind of claim on any of the internet pipelines between you and CLG, you may not get their emails. <laughs> this is getting ridiculous. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's talk about that and bemoan it with Lori. Hey, Lori Price, how are you? 
Hi, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> yes, it's been a rocky road with the censorship for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, and it's getting rockier all the time. You know, if I were a paranoid conspiracy theorist, I would think that when Cass Sunstein wrote his <laughs> book about how we have to you know, disable the purveyors of conspiracy theories and info cognitively infiltrate them and so on and so forth back in, what was that, like 2008 or 10, when he was Obama's information czar, that there was a plan in place to roll back free speech on the mm-hmm. Internet. But that's just paranoia, right? <laughs> yes, and for me, it's been going on longer than, you know, it dates back before the COVID, the pandemic. It, it goes back before that. Um, so I could tell you a little bit about it if you'd like. Um, yeah, sure. Give, give us the history of this. Yeah, yeah, because you've, sure. you've been fighting this battle for, for quite a while. Yes, and... Um, I could tell there's different levels of censorship. So I could tell like during the Afghanistan war and the, in the ISIS um, battles when it was pretty clear. Um, so I used to say ISIS and they used to go I hyphen CIA hyphen SIS and little things like that, or Al CIA DUH for Al Qaeda and stuff like that. But anyway, when I'd send things out, the ones that, and, you know, I like to think, well, they're all good and kind of like all the newsletters are good. I guess I should just for a second say what they are is is um, you get an email with a compilation of summaries and a link to like about 15, 20 short summaries, like three or four sentences on the top news of, you know, say three or four days. And if there's a breaking news, I'd send a shorter one. So you get the link from... It could be mainstream, but I try to cover the underbelly of the news, so a lot on Fukushima, stuff like that. So anyway, you, you, there's different stories in there, and pre- sometimes I get one where I'm like, and when I send it, I always go, oh, I hope this one doesn't go to the spam bin. You know, it's like, it, it's just so part of the chemistry of this thing built in that I have to endure the censorship, and this is before, all before the pandemic. So anyway... One's were the CIA where I mentioned things going on with the opium and the poppy fields and other other news of um, I had a major story. One of the most shocking thing where the the Daily Mail had about 25 pictures of Israeli um, troops treating ISIS commanders. And these were pretty legitimate photos. There was no I mean, you know, in the Daily Mail has tons of photos in a row. So I had that story. Anyway, when when I have something shocking or that's just really going to annoy people at all the meaning the deep state i notice it would go to the spam bin of certain providers and i know this because i have an account on a few different providers so i'd find it in my own spam bin on my gmail account so i'm sending these from legitgov.org that's the name of the website so ultimately you know you you'll see that clg news at legitgov.org but i have other a couple other email addresses in Gmail accounts and so forth, and I'd see them in the spam bin. And if it was a really important newsletter, it would say, careful, this looks like phishing and an attempt to steal people's identities. Now, this was all Gmail, and I've had people over the years, of course, write me, sending me screenshots, saying, I've told them this is a trusted sender, I've added you to the contact list, it's still in spam. Which And it's really frustrating because legitimate spam seems to arrive without a hitch. Okay, so this has gone on for years. And then and then I can go to recent times if you'd like, but I just want to give you a little background. that. And I've, oh, one other thing, I've had people say, can you please subscribe me to your newsletter? And I'm like, sure. And I go in there, and then I hit the, the add button in the, in the 
on the server, you know, in the, the site where you add the people, and it says already a member. I get that at least once a day. That means somebody's not getting their newsletter. And this is all different providers. All right. So why? You know, I, I, I can totally news? relate to this, Lori. <laughs> I, I had I've had the same problems to the point that I finally gave up on maintaining an email list back in the early days of 9/11 Truth. That was how I primarily communicated with people, and I actually used, emailed thousands of people. And then it reached the point right. that everything went to spam. Uh, it, it, emails would disappear. These exact problems that you're describing became right. so overwhelming that it, I, I would spend all my time on them rather than on the content. So I basically gave up on email. And now the only way I can reach people through email is through Substack and Fundraiser and these kinds of outfits that are making money off me, taking a piece of the donations from the audience. Right. But then they employ IT specialists who make sure that this doesn't happen to them. But, yeah, it's terrible that ordinary people can no longer use email to communicate to a mass audience. It's just outrageous. It's re really something. I mean, and, and so many different people have sent me newsletters. And I've had a couple of people say, I've never had a problem. Okay, that's great. But, I mean, I've had, you know, other situations where people do. And the most recent one is um, I just – you get a bounce back. So there's like 34,000 people on this list or something. So anyway, you get a bounce back, and it just – you know, you'll get a few emails. And there's always somebody who decides to leave an email list and not actually unsubscribe. They'll just let things bounce. Like they change your email address, and they don't tell you. I mean, that's fine. So, you know, you get a few of them every day, and it doesn't matter. But I started getting tons of them, and they were all Yahoo and the subdomains. And I realized – when I went through this, like I'd get like <clears throat> recently, like I got like 65 of them or something, and then 50 at a certain time of day. So the bounces, you know, it's set up where it can bounce a few times and then you're off the list. But you do have a few times. So if your email, you know, you're over quota or something with your inbox, you know, whatever, you, you get another chance if you clean it out, whatever. So anyhow, I got a bunch of these and I wrote to my web hoster that, that, that then delve or whatever delved into the links of what I was covering and decided they were pro-Trump websites, which is ridiculous, and said, I'm, we're not going to help you, basically, um, because it's a pro-Trump, they're pro-Trump links there. This has not a wit to do with Trump. In this case, it was about the vaccine and Uruguay, the judge that asked for the documents. This was actually, this lead story was a mainstream report in Uruguay. It had nothing to do with Trump, Democrats. It, it was picked. It was picked up by Gateway Pundit, and they classify them as pro-Trump. Right, but if somebody's covering, if they have a translation of a of a of a of a Portuguese, um, you know, a, a translation of Portuguese, and get an important article, what difference does it make if it's a conservative outlet or a right, you know, left wing or wings? To me, do not matter anymore. We're, Absolutely. we're beyond wings at this point. Okay. <laughs> It's about survival and avoiding the Great Reset. <laughs> right. We're beyond wings. It doesn't matter. Left wing, right wing, I, you know. I, and by the way, I must say, the squad of frauds, those idiots, imbeciles, complete imbeciles in the squad in Congress, they vote to – the only time they're, they're with, um, you know, we don't hear too much about it, they voted to um, destabilize Venezuela. And I'm just saying if they're leftists, they voted, of course, for the Ukraine – um, you know, which the Nazis running Ukraine, they were happy to give them billions of in aid. Okay, the squad is always for more wars, which I find fascinating. So if they're these leftists anyway, that's just an aside.
But anyhow, there's no. Well, well yeah, that, that just shows that you and I are both old enough to remember when when leftists opposed war instead of promoting it. Right. Right. And they're always for if there's something horrible in the soup, they're there voting with it with the Republicans. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, the only one you can get sort of like is um, Rand Paul or something to disagree on some war funding or told, when Tulsi Gabbard was there. I mean, you know. So anyway, they're frauds, the squad of frauds. Um, but anyway, they're with the oligarchs, and they love the Great Reset. They're with the clampdowns and the masks and everything else. But, um, right. I mean, it's, isn't it ironic that, that yeah. the, the way the left has become the tool of the very oligarchs that they should be trying to oppose? Right. And, right. and the, these war, wars are really wars for oligarchy. I think Michael Hudson has pointed this out beautifully, that that's what this World War III that we're in the middle of right now is really all about. It's Russia, China, and Iran have got oligarchs under control. They don't let oligarchs just buy everything, buy up the government, neoliberal privatize everything. They have rules that favor ordinary people. And that can't be tolerated, say the oligarchs that rule the West, because they want to be able to buy up everything. That's called neoliberalism. So they're going to war so that they can try to conquer the last countries on Earth that don't allow oligarchs to buy up and control everything. And that's essentially what this is about. So really the left should be supporting Russia, China, and Iran and trying to working for a revolution to overthrow the oligarchy here in the United States. That's what the left should be doing. But instead, they become a bunch of fascist foot soldiers for the very oligarchs that if they knew what was going on, they would be overthrowing them. That's exactly what's going on. I mean, the threat to me, to humankind, is these corporations have become, you know, many of them have become woke, but that's the cover whenever you cry racism or sexism or something, which now that's where the left, that's where they're gravitating, but not towards working people. I mean, nobody, the left, the, the contemporary American left did not support the truckers in Canada and all that. In the, and remember the yellow vests in Paris, France? Not only do they I mean, not support them, they, they call them names. They call them Nazis. Right, because, because the Soros-funded Soros and others, NGOs, have brainwashed the, le the left or whatever these people are. They're not Antifa. These people are, are, are I call them pro-fa. They're for Ukraine. They all have the little Ukrainian flags. If you go into the history of Ukraine and what they did in the Donbass region, and Putin has been a bulwark against the New, the, uh, new World Order. He's called it satanic. And, you know, if you're going to find something imperfect in Russia, yes, I'm sure it exists, like every country. But he's not hes not the problem. Putin is not the problem, okay? In my opinion, from what I've read and what I've analyzed, being fair and just, he's not the problem. And we're spending billions. It, and now we have the, the, the most dangerous storm here of we have an incompetent person who's really, I mean, I don't mean this personally, but he's, he's really incompetent medically as well, Joe Biden, okay? He never won the election. He had 200 people at a rally. Trump had 58,000 the night before the election in Butler, Pennsylvania. Trump had 58,000. Biden had 200 people. But, right, but, but, but Lori, we, we know that's because Biden voters are uh, terrified of the virus, whereas Trump voters uh, recklessly uh, could care less about the virus. <laughs> that's what they said. And I thought of that. People, people actually wrote me and said that exact thing. And, but the numbers would not be that, that different. And, and this continued. That's why uh, Google got rid of the dislike button, because when he did a um, forget about going in person, even with that argument, because when he did a video, it, there would be very few views. And when Trump did any kind of rally, there'd be 30,000 watching on Facebook 
that's just one outlet. There'd be 30,000, it would say the number watching, 30,000, 40,000, and, and Biden had nobody watching. So he did not win this election. It's just common sense. But anyway, we got this nut job in there who's really too older, you know, he's, he's not competent, however you view it, to run, run the country. And now he's bumbling us into a, into a possible nuclear war because how much is Russia going to take? I mean, Putin has been a saint to, to let all some of this stuff go because I think he knows that Biden's nuts, you know. But he's how much more provocation can can Putin take? I'm well, well, do, you, do you, th- you think the issue is Biden being nuts, or is the issue that Biden has brought in these neocons, the same right. essentially the same type of neocons who ran the Cheney Bush administration? Uh, the Kagan right. family and, and those people, and they've rigged up a war on Russia through Ukraine the same way they rigged up uh, 9-11 and the war on the Middle East. Exactly. No, I'm not saying him alone. I, I just was thinking of him personally that he would, you know, sad, I don't know if he'd make the ultimate decision on these wars. But, yes, the, these these neocon cronies that are in there. And look how the, the one that really gets me, Liz Cheney. I mean, my God, how can she show her face with what her father pulled on the world on u.s citizens everybody with what dick cheney did she's out there she's trying to get republic uh, democratic support to win a primary august 16th in wyoming and i don't know what kind of voting machines they use but it could be scary actually she's totally disliked and 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 <laughs> yes but anyway he has all these people in the cabinet that are that are um you know globalists they have no business experience it was revealed recently right Zero percent business experience on the economy. Neocons, globalists, all just the worst group. And the Uniparty backs them. People in the Republican Party are backing them, you know, like Mitch McConnell. You know, he just says, you know, he's fine with it. You know, he'd rather have Biden than Trump. You know that. (laughs) Trump actually wanted to help the people on some ways. He made mistakes, huge mistakes, but he actually wanted to do something. And when you pick Nikki Haley, if you're... (laughs) You know, if you're going to make a mistake like that, then well, well, Laurie, I, I would I would question really whether Trump in the larger picture was any better than these neocon ruled Democrats, because a different wing of neocons ruled Trump's administration. And they're in many ways just as bad, in some ways even worse. They handed the Zionists everything they asked for, you know, that it moved the embassy to Jerusalem and murdered Soleimani, almost unleashing World War Three. And. The Republicans are transferring wealth to the elite, uh, the, the richest element of, of the oligarchy, uh, faster even than the Democrats are. So, yeah. frankly, I, I don't really see a whole lot of uh, good things about either of them, although I am going to see Senator Ron Johnson tomorrow, and we're going to hear from Rolf Lindgren about that in about 20 minutes. Um, and I see some good things that Ron Johnson has done, and I've seen some good things Rand Paul has done. So there are people from the more populist sort of pro-Trump, pro-Trump side of the Republican Party who are doing some good things in some areas. I will, I will go that far, but overall, I'm not going to be voting for Trump if he runs again. Well, Trump made mistakes. I mean, when you pick John Bolton, it's case closed, okay? I, I get it. He, I, I honestly think... You know, Trump, we have to give him credit for articulating that which was the deep state. And he made little digs and little comments constantly about, you know, he did say a few times about Lindsey Graham and the war to keep the war industry going. I mean, I think I think he was convinced and um, 
you know, railroaded or goaded into picking certain people. You know, he had he was flooded with deep state swamp creatures. And the ones that were really good that held their ground, they made sure got arrested, indicted, and all that. I think he did try. I think, sadly, you're right about some of his picks and all that and giving in to certain issues. I, I Yes, I believe you're right on that. But at least he articulated that which was the deep state. Ron Johnson's great. But, you know, his supporters, when he started men- him being Trump at a rally about the vaccine, he got booed and he finally kept saying, why am I getting booed? You know, so his supporters don't want these endless wars. And, and people have evolved, like uh, Tucker Carlson and, and uh, Laura Ingram that used to support the Iraq war. You know, years ago when it first came out, they were all, you know, crazy for it. And they've come to see it's just what, you know, what people are seeing with the war funding and all that. So I'm having hope that he, if he, let's just say magically he was back in there, I think he wouldn't make the same mistakes. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I like and Lori, what do you, what do you think? What, what do you think about the, what I would view as the very strong likelihood that the Trump administration unleashed the COVID pandemic in the first place by attacking Wuhan and Com with a biological weapon? The evidence for that is shockingly strong, and it's totally banned from not only mainstream, but also alternative media. Ron Unz has, of course, written a book about this. And when Unz first published this on his website, suddenly his website, which had been growing by leaps and bounds and was quite large at that point, got banned by all search engines everywhere. And, you know, you Google something there and it doesn't, you know, you have to be very specific to even find it anymore. All social media banned it as well. So obviously Unz uh, touched a raw nerve with the CIA or whoever is controlling these things. And if you actually read his book, I think you'll be convinced that there's a really strong chance that uh, probably Pompeo or others of that mindset in Trump's administration with or without, probably without the knowledge of Trump, organized yet a, a third bioweapon strike after the ones that destroyed China's uh, chicken supply and pork supply in 2018 and 20, 2017, 2018. And then uh, COVID emerged from uh, this uh, U.S. military uh, Olympic team going to Wuhan with a bunch right. of inserted special ops guys, right? And so this, this is like the, the secret that could bring down the United States empire. And it happened on Trump's watch. Um, so really, you know, the Trump administration, as I see it, was in every way uh, a disaster. And that, in fact, it's, it's wonder of this populism, these people seeing the error of their previous ways when they were neocon supporters and war supporters and such. That's all great. Tucker Carlson does great work. I, you know, there are a lot of people in this populist right wing movement that I respect. But overall, I think Trump has done, you know, as much harm as good. But, you know, maybe the jury is still out. Who knows where it's all going to go from here? Well, in terms of that, that virus, I always wondered why on the outset of it, what, first of all, Fauci said there will be a pandemic release in 2017. And, you know, I even was thinking, how are they going to stop a reelection of Trump with the economy soaring and all that? They're going to have to do some kind of pandemic-like thing, and so there must be some people afoot working on all this. And sure enough, you know, I'm thinking just generally, not specific terms, but Fauci said there will be a pandemic released in this administration in 2017, right, during this term. And there it was. And there was, if you remember, the vaping illnesses in the summer of 2019 where people were going to the hospital, all these lung um, issues, and they said it was a lot of people were sick and died, and we never heard about it. And then, yes, when you have these, yes, I believe I believe it's totally possible that DARPA and um, a U.S. Uh, laboratory cooked this up. That we also the U.S. definitely funded through through um, funded the Wuhan lab, but it, 
you know, the scientists could be working together because there were forces out there to bring this in to get to the Great Reset. And the, the, the goal was to get to the vaccine. And Trump, you know, went full steam ahead with the vaccine. But he said he would not make it mandatory. And Biden was the real criminal to make that mandatory. That's what destroyed the economy because, you know, like 25 percent, let's say, didn't want the vaccine in every profession. So they all quit. And then they had the companies that had to pay more money to bring people on. And they made it man. It, it just was terrible with the mandatory on that. Nobody wants that bioweapon inserted in themselves. Um, that's for sure. But I, I see your view on Trump. I just think differently. I think I think he was um, I think he was goaded and uh, co-opted by wrong elements, which is sad. Um, but, you know, I see your view. I can see you making the case. You know, as to, it didn't start in a wet market in China, that's for sure. It would not surprise me if it began with those military war games, like you were saying, in October, right, in, in China, that we could have released something there, we being the United States. It would not surprise me. I'm, I and, don't, and, there's and, nothing you know, if we can, the CIA would do. If we contextualize this uh, a little differently and, you know, think about this as, as a bioweapon and look at the history of bioweapons. Look at the U.S. $100 billion bioweapon program. Look at the likelihood that the U.S. has used bioweapons in anger many, many, many times, starting in the Korean War. And um, after that, uh, against Cuba, against Eastern Europe, against Russia, against China, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then we notice the Robert Cadillac the world's number one advocate for the use of biological weapons as a deniable way to target adversary economies was appointed as bioweapons are by Trump in 2017. And we look at the geostrategic situation in which the issue that will determine who rules the world in the future is the relative economic growth rates of the U.S. and the West vis-a-vis China, which has been growing double digits now for three decades. And all geostrategists in the U.S. know that the U.S. is going to have to do everything it can to try to slow China's growth rate, even if that requires harming the U.S. and global economies. That's I can quote statements from geopolitical thinkers who've been saying that for ages. So we, we put all of this together. And what we see is that the reason that people like Fauci and Gates and so on would know that a pandemic is coming is that the bioweapons sector overlaps with the quote-unquote public health sector quite a bit. And these guys realize that, as as the neocons said in Rebuilding America's Defenses back in 2000, in the not-so-distant future, ethnic-specific biological weapons will become a politically useful tool. And they don't even have to necessarily be ethnic-specific. So given all of this, I think, you know, the, the Great Reset is rather is, is kind of a separate issue from the COVID bio attack. And they're piggybacking on it. Yeah, they knew it was coming. They know we're, we're living in an age of endemic bio warfare. And we're doomed to be living in that age for quite some time until the people of the world wake up and demand the end to it. Uh, so uh, it, it seems to me there's been a, a kind of a misplaced focus on these public health authorities when the real issue here is the biological warfare sector, the fact that the United States is not the only country that's uh, developed bioweapons and committed bioweapon crimes, but it's by far the worst and the biggest, just like in other military areas. I think we need to focus on that. You know, I think that you know, blaming these civilian types, these public health types, and even people like Bill Gates 
is probably not quite on the money. And the people we really need to blame are the people who are actually in charge of the national security secrets involving bioweapons who have made these very ruthless decisions, and especially the neocon wing, who are by far the most ruthless, the most warlike, who have a philosophy that loves and embraces war, says war is better than peace. Those people are dedicated to winning World War III by any means necessary. So I, I think that's maybe where we should be focusing, and we should recognize that I think that our focus has been intentionally redirected to be thinking in terms of great resets by uh, public health authorities and WHO and yada, 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 and control grids and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that, that's an issue, but that's a separate issue. Like, uh, the, the first issue here is the biowarfare apparatus that unleashed COVID. Well, but you know what I was saying a few minutes ago about Trump sort of giving him maybe more of a pass than you did? He was pulling out the money, which, of course, Biden, the first thing he got in was pour all the money back in to the World Health Organization and so forth. I mean, he was he was pulling away, and he also put tariffs on the imports of the Chinese goods, which was helping the U.S., and, of course, Biden wants to get rid of that. So when you talk about – I mean, I'm just saying he did, he did uh, make an effort here to see – you know – it's whether you believe he was led around and put these people in, because some of these people I totally would never have supported in a million years. He also listened quite a bit to Lindsey Graham. He didn't listen all the time, but somebody like that—that's one of the biggest disasters in Congress. He's the ten, one of the you know bottom of the pool there, the worst with what he wants with the wars. He always is against the the American people. But um, yes, I see what you're saying about the because because we could we could turn down. Uh, uh, any kind of um, imposition of rules that the World Health Organization, you know, Trump wanted out of there. So um, that's great right there, you know, not wanting that. But if, if we have a treaty and we, we, if we adhere to what they're doing, and it was Biden that wanted that treaty that would make everything mandatory, if you remember that disaster, I think that's on hold for a while because some countries did not want it. And by the way, there was a lot of leaders in Africa that mysteriously died when they decided they didn't want that vaccine, I think there was five or six of them that died because they said they didn't want Pfizer's bad contract. And so that was it for them. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah. The, that vaccine issue, I, th I think, is real, although I think it's also possible that the vaccine isn't really sort of stage two of a bioweapon like a lot of people think. It's also possible that, you know, just like with all those vaccines they gave those Gulf War guys, you know, back in Gulf War One. And you know they killed a hundred thousand plus and and crippled many hundreds of thousands. You know about half the guys or more who went over to fight in that war and who never you know they, there was very little actually um, yeah, fighting and getting killed and injured on our side, but they suffered hideously because of all these vaccines they were given. But the military attitude is you know when they develop bioweapons they also develop vaccines, and the military attitude is that, you know, they're totally willing to sacrifice people, right? They, they sacrifice their own oh, guys yeah. like pawns on a chessboard. So for them, oh, yeah. uh, you know, they, they're always going to think, well, a vaccine that will protect enough of our forces so that we can, you know, douse this whole region with bioweapons. And right. now the bioweapon kills 90% of the other side, but only 10 per, or, you know, only 10% of our side. We, we win the war. That's the way they think. So That's the military development of COVID... Yeah, the COVID and the vaccine would have been developed by the same people at the same time. And for them, a vaccine that kills a certain percentage of people 
is actually just fine. It's, you know, it's still doing its job. That's the military mentality. And I think that's the problem. I think it's vaccine. You know, it, it, it quote unquote works well against death and hospitalization for six months and then wears off. And the booster lasts for three months and then wears off. And then the rebooster lasts for six weeks and then wears off and, you know, leaves you worse than you were before. That could have been developed. They could be actually, you know, that could have been developed by, by honest people thinking that they were going to be protecting right. the people they were, they were shooting. Right. Oh, no, I'm not blaming individual scientists, even in China or the U.S. anywhere. I'm not blaming the people working in the labs that many, I'd say probably most, nearly all those people are in it because they love a science and wanted to help humanity. I'm not blaming the scientists, even in any country. You know, scientists is a scientist, or I give them benefit of the doubt. I'm talking about, like you say, the people directing them and the policies and the programs. But one example is the burn pits. I knew back then with Halliburton and the burn pits in Iraq it was going to be a problem. And and notice how even after he lost his own son, Joe Biden will never blame Halliburton for the burn pits. You notice that. But I'm just saying, yes, they knew the burn pits are bad, and they still have the soldiers do it. Like you say, on a chessboard, very expendable. Um, you know, that's the point you were making. And then they had the anthrax vaccine, which was experimental. And there were people at the time, I think, that rose up and said, we're not going to use troops as guinea pigs and stuff. And now this thing where the best people and the brightest all left because they didn't want it. The problem with the vaccine, you know, even protecting six months, is that when you get the COVID with the vaccine, you're worse than if you didn't get the vaccine. Also, the side effects, there's so many deaths, heart attacks. I guess insurance companies are saying on non-COVID deaths are up even as much as 40%. Where's all that coming from? And we're not hearing it in the media. They're covering up for this, these deaths from, you know, the heart failures and the myocarditis and all this, they're covering it. Not co- I mean, covering it means cover up. They're not, they're not covering this in the media as much as it should be covered, all these deaths and injuries. Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, that it, it's looking worse and worse with vaccines, and the mainstream still won't cover it. When, when is this going to break into the mainstream, Lori? I don't know. I've tried to. I've got a lot, and I notice on Twitter, which I'm totally shadow banned on Twitter. By the way, my I just want to say uh, legitgov.org, and I'm legitgov on Twitter. So I have like 10,700 something followers, and I get like three likes on something. And I did an audit of my followers; they're all real, like 99 plus percent real. I get like three likes. That's another thing going back to the censorship. They're pulling that if you say anything kind of a value or that they don't like, you get shadow banned, you know, because I know more than three people would like something that I post periodically, you know, when you've got 10,000 generally political people following you, somebody's going to like it. But anyway, yes, I see on Twitter oftentimes vaccine injuries trending. It's not like the the total lockdown it used to be where you couldn't say anything it's getting a little bit better so maybe it'll break in that way in the mainstream but there's people that keep bragging on the profiles i'm triple vaxxed i'm getting my booster and all this and you know some people might do fine with it but others got very ill yeah the numbers look well they, they don't look so far quite as bad as the real you know super pessimist thing there are people who think this is all about you know exterminating humanity and so on it does doesn't look that bad yet, but it does look, well, it's obvious that these vaccines have ultimately failed. They cannot contain COVID, and the people are more likely to become COVID cases, and it looks like they're actually more likely to die and be hospitalized now. The more they're, the more they're vaxxed, the worse off they are. And uh, that's not how it was at the beginning, of course, but 
it's uh, these these numbers are are looking pretty bad. And if the these insurance statistics about the uh, deaths of working age people pan out, right. I think there's going to be hell to pay. Right. I covered that. That was the lead one. That's one that went down into the spam bin. That one about that insurance large company that said they're seeing all these deaths. I mean. It's funny, certain aspects of capitalism will go and stand up against the other ones because you'll have insurance companies not wanting to pay out and all that. You know, in France, I think there was a case where they ruled it was suicide when somebody was injured by the vax because they said they didn't have to take it, which is crazy because vaccine had, you know, tight controls. But the most vaccinated countries are doing the worst. Like Australia is going to, they're just dying to bring back the mask. But what's ironic, and I know maybe you don't think the Great Reset is a big enough thing with the World Economic Forum, but these leaders that were the young leaders of the Great Reset had the worst lockdowns, like Jacinda Ardern, Trudeau, Newsom, um, you know, these these people with the worst worst records um, and and the lockdowns were all part of the W, you know. Yeah, these young, glamorous pod people, leaders, what what pod did these people come out of? I know. Jacinda Dern was worth a certain amount of money before she got in, you know, and her, her wealth, you know, she was just, just generally like, you know, worth a few hundred thousand or whatever. And then she gets in there and she's worth multiple millions, you know, and I just wonder how these, I'm not sure the numbers I read a long time ago, but her wealth grew leaps and bounds. Okay. And, and why is that, you know, but yet you have other African leaders in Africa that were just dead. Okay. That didn't want the vaccine. So you, tell me I, th- I think they have an agenda going here i mean there's only so many young african leaders that die or whatever that have no problems that are suddenly dead that you you go i wonder what happened there i don't know it, it, you can't prove any of this it's just people are waking up though to this big pharma there's a lot of people that lost their lives and lost loved ones mothers Oh, there's so many people that didn't want the vaccine. The husband posts, my beautiful wife, four kids or something, you know, whatever, died. She didn't want it. She did it for a job. Heartbreaking stories. They didn't get the coverage they deserved, the, the coverage of those stories. Oh, they're almost completely blacked out. And and, and like you found, right. if, if you try to spread them around on social media, um, you're good luck. You're, oh, yeah. you're going to find a lot of opposition. Yeah, there was a Facebook group early on that, that had vaccine injuries. And had 150,000 in the group. Now, why would somebody go and post a tale if it's untrue? I mean, why would somebody talk about an illness of themselves? Why would they do that? Most people aren't lying when they're they're looking for help with other people that have the same problem, right? Facebook shut that group down. So he's one of the most evil people. I mean, these are evil. These are demons walking among us. I mean, he shut that group down. And also, when the woman on Instagram was posting about problems with her cycle. And and she just posted she didn't know she'd have any response, and that and then tons of women were saying I've problems since the vaccine, and of course that doesn't go you know they don't want that out there they don't when people can't even congregate and talk about a medical issue after a, a, a vaccine I don't understand if if they're innocent in all this why not just let the people talk what's the problem why ban them why block them yeah what what they could is social media fundraising if if you they can't just, talk about what's going on. Right. They've been banned a fundraising. A guy wanted um, a funeral for a funeral for his son. I remember that was a long time ago. Banned the uh, banned the GoFundMe. I remember Make a Wish. There's an evil group run by evil said if you're not vaccinated, you can't be a child to benefit from Make a Wish. There you go. A child dying anyway has to have possibly another problem 
in order to get their largesse or whatever. Can you believe that? So yeah, they've well, been I, evil all I believe more and more of these days. Well, one mainstream politician who has been pushing back against a lot of this is Ron Johnson. And I am going to be seeing him tomorrow. There is a Republican Party Great. picnic in Verona, Wisconsin. And I understand that a whole bunch of candidates will be delivering short speeches and Ron Johnson will show up and deliver a somewhat longer, roughly 40 minute speech. And, um, you know, when Ron Johnson was elected, I didn't think that he would ever be somebody I would like very much. Uh, I actually kind of liked Russ Feingold, his predecessor that he knocked off. Russ Feingold had accepted several David Ray Griffin books from me about 9-11. And he kind of looked more or less <laughs> suggested that he kind of knew the score about that. I think he knew that his friend, his best friend, Paul Wellstone, had been murdered by Dick Cheney in the 9-11 right. perps. Right. Definitely. So, Nobody talks about that. Yeah. Yeah. So so, so when, when uh, Russ Feingold, who was far from perfect and not nearly as brave as his late lamented friend, Paul Wellstone, got knocked off by Ron Johnson, my first thought was, oh, man, you know, another, you know, kind of big business uh, honcho guy, you know, a big money guy is taking over. And I, I just figured he'd be a neocon puppet. But now with the covid era suddenly bringing all these new issues to the fore, Ron Johnson has emerged as the bravest guy in the Senate, pushing back against the excesses of the COVID control measures. So I'm really impressed by that. And at some point, we're supposed to be getting Rolf Lindgren on the show to talk about this uh, event tomorrow in Verona, Wisconsin. Um, Rolf, are you there? Guess he's not on, on the line yet. Uh, so I think our studio is very exciting, though. That's, yeah. I love yeah. Ron Johnson, too. I agree. Yeah, he's, I'm, he's yeah, I'm curious to see how, how much he foregrounds these kinds of issues in his campaign. But certainly a lot of people who have been questioning the COVID orthodoxy have been contributing to his campaign. So it's becoming he's becoming kind of a referendum on these issues. But his opponent, he's like on the Democrats list of people they want out. You know, all this matters is what kind of whether you have a corrupt state with the voting tally, like. You know that expression about who counts the votes? That's the that's the problem right there. You know, um, you know, like the, the Georgia, they kept that corruption in there because the Democrats simply crossed over and voted to keep the worst Republicans in rather than the ones that would have done something, you know, to, to help us, the populists. They, they don't want the Trumpies, the, whether you like Trump or not, but the populist wing, they don't want that in there because they want the Uniparty in there. Mitt Romney, Liz Cheney, Lisa Mikowski, all these people that are just working with the warmongers or I mean that are warmongers and working with other warmongers that's what they seem to want the people don't want that though yeah that's right if, I wonder if if somebody like Ron Johnson and you know maybe uh, Rand Paul uh, were running kind of and picking up the baton of Trump style populism for me that would be somewhat of an improvement over Trump especially if they appointed better people to foreign policy positions than Trump did. Um, I, I wonder if uh, if that's actually anything could happen. It, it looks like they're going to try to disable Trump by indicting oh, him. Oh, yeah, they're working on that. Yeah, one that's way or another, they're going to stop him. You know, if, if you're questioning and you, you're searching your heart or something to say whether Trump was good or not, the fact that the deep state hates him just so much that should tell you that he was effective in some ways and he he was meaning to help because they wouldn't hate him like that. If he was just part of the problem, then they would just keep him in there. If he was like Biden, they would have kept him in there. You know, they just would have let the election happen. But, you know, Ron DeSantis has, has done some great things down there. 
passing a bill that patients in Florida can't be alone. I mean, you know how important that is if you're older and you have nobody, they don't let anybody in, and the hospital decides to kill you, basically. Florida put an end to that. I mean, so um, DeSantis is very good as well. Love to see him be the vice president this time, you know, around Trump. I know you don't like Trump, but I'm just saying DeSantis is good helping the people. No mandatory vaccines and all that. That's great. Well, to me, the asset test for these guys would be, can they stand up to the neocon warmongers? And to me, Trump failed that test. Trump had the right instincts. And if you read Woodward's book, you get this great scene of Trump being dragged down into the Situation Room and shown this video about how the U.S. empire needs to keep strong, blah, blah, blah. And afterwards, Trump is, is basically calling bullshit on it. You know, saying we need to rebuild our infrastructure. You know, what do you mean we can afford this kind of money for the military when we haven't, when our infrastructure is falling apart? You're reading that, it, you know, and then all these military experts and uh, and security, you know, National Security Council people are calling Trump an idiot. But it looks to me like Trump is the one guy with common sense and that those people are the idiots. And so if these other Republicans somehow take power, my main question would be, are they going to recognize that it's time to roll back the empire and focus on rebuilding the country? Or are they going to keep this post-World War II, you know, new American century project going even at the expense of, uh, of ever-worsening wars and possibly nuclear war, which, of course, could happen even before we get to any more elections the way things are going? And to me, that's really the number one issue. And I don't have that much faith in them because most of these other guys – have shown even less gumption than Trump in standing up to the militarist types. So uh, give me some reasons to be optimistic. Well, I think I think Trump, with, with some of those people, and especially writing books after they left office, like Omarosa, that idiot, and all those others, you know, he he. I, I can pretty much be sure he know he learned his lesson and would be more circumspect as to who he brings on. And maybe, you know, I give people a chance, you know, I mean, I, I you know, he came from a, a business background, didn't know the Washington swamp. He did accomplish many things um, that were positive. And let's just see. But I don't think they would ever let him in again. This, They're, they're just like a, I saw the, the, the worst rag in the U.S. is not the, the uh, New York Times or Washington Post. It's the Hartford Current, which I, I get because I have to see what's going on. OK, it's the oldest continuously published paper in the U.S., but it's all woke. It's a rag. And they had a headline in there, Republicans now moving away from Trump, which isn't what the polls show. All right. But anyway, they, they just do the deep state there or whatever, the swamp creatures, they do not want Trump back. So, you know, maybe they'll rig it and it'll be DeSantis or somebody else. But I'll tell you something, if it's a Nikki Haley or somebody like that, I'm not voting for anybody like that. that I'm not voting for a warmonger no matter what party they're in. So that's for sure. You know, I'm not doing it. But I see your points about Trump. I can see why you're critical. When you look at some of his cabinet positions that he put in there and and military people that he put in there, you know, I can see you being definitely questioning. (laughs) Right. I I, I just somehow get knocked offline for a few seconds. So I'm, I'm back here. Uh, and we're also having trouble reaching Rolf. So I, I hope this isn't the same kind of situation that's been you know, causing your newsletter to not be delivered to people's mm-hmm. in. 
By the way, we should tell people they can hit, go to legitgov.org and click subscribe. It's free, and you, it, you just it opens up an email. You just send it into the address, and it just you get on the list that way, and you get the newsletter if you want. It's it. highly highly recommended. People should go to legitgov.org and try to get on that newsletter. And also that way, you can kind of monitor and find out whether they're uh, jamming your inbox. Now, Michael Ruchtenwald is your uh, co-conspirator with uh, CLG. And, of course, he he managed to get himself into hot water with various uh, parts. Well, some some woke people, I guess, at his university and then the mainstream oh, yeah, media. Uh, that was quite a story. And he, he actually fought back, and, and I think he, he basically won there, didn't he? Yes, he got a settlement out of there. But that was started with a Facebook post where he talked about, and if you remember this, remember with the pronoun when it first sort of emerged in a big way, where somebody in Michigan wanted to be called um, Your Majesty, and he just put that up, and all these trans people and Marxists went after him. When, when he just simply put the post up, because he thought it was funny to be called y- Your Majesty, whatever, that guy in Michigan. Yeah, I, I identify as a royal. What's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, then it started, and he got over to NYU. Then he, he founded an anonymous Twitter account, which he later came out as um, the anti PC NYU prof, what he, a reporter said his issue. But yeah, he, he got, um, yeah, I mean, they had the diversity, equity, inclusion writing him about illiberal thinking when it was them that was the illiberals. I mean, it, it was very Orwellian, but he foresaw a lot of this, you know, and he writes about the Great Reset. He writes quite a bit about it. Um, but believe me, that's going to be a thing we're all going to, because all these companies are going to do the ESG, what is it, environmental, um, uh, you know, the ESG scores, which, you know, if if you're not environmentally and um, diversity and all that, those will rate and and certain banks then won't invest and loan into the companies that do that. So they're going to basically, what they're doing is destroying the 401ks in the stock market. That's being done on purpose. Because if you don't have any good ESG score, you're not going to be able to, you know, get the investors, you know, the everyday investors because they're going to diminish you as a company. Now, no, how does that take out the how does that take out the uh, the pensions? Well, because if Bank of America is it won't in, I mean these are ma- banks um banking um backing other companies, they won't do it. They'll pull out. You know, if you get so for example, Tesla, even though it was an electric car had a low ESG score, but certain oil companies have a top ESG score. It's environmental, social, and government. That's what stands for risks. But they want everybody to be um, socially woke and all this. So you had the irony recently, because they don't like Elon Musk, of getting a low failure of an ESG score. But like Exxon, I think it was ExxonMobil. Like, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was. Got a really good ESG score. So how can, you know, even though they... Yeah. <laughs> How can they, the the oil drillers and all, get a better score on the environment than an electric car? I'm just saying, it's it's political, and this is what the Great Reset is pushing these scores, and you know, and they want other scores. So who's the one? Who's the one who awards the score and counts up the points and determines how those points are awarded? Well, it's a rating. Um, it's a rating on how a company is doing its business. But who's who's do, who's putting this out? Who's behind it? Um, let's see. I'm not sure who's who's deciding. Um, is wh- whoever they are, they 
whoever they are, they've got a lot of power. You know, if, if they, they could easily like short markets, you know, sh- short a company and then give it a bad score. I mean, whoever they are, they, they are in a position. It's calculate. It's calculated. I'm reading this up. Calculated by companies using their own formulas and methods to quantify and measure how well publicly traded companies are meeting ESG metrics. Assigning an ESG score allows investors to compare a company's performance with industry peers and with companies from other sectors. But you know, they can. It's it's just another regulation to destroy who they don't like and who they do like. You know what I'm saying? Because how could Elon Musk of Tesla get a low score? Right, I mean, but I'm just trying to figure out who. who... I'm trying to figure out, you know, how the decision was made, who made the yeah, decision to give him the low score. Yeah, yeah I, that's a good point. Because obviously his, his own company wouldn't do that. So somebody outside of his company decided to give him a low score. And the day before they did that, they could have shorted Tesla or, you know, the, whoever those people are that are in the position to do that. They've oh. got tremendous power. So we should try to figure out who they are. I found something. It says Sustain Analytics is a major provider of ESG scores, can range from zero to 40 plus. Zero Sustain Analytics. Oh, man. So these are the people ruling the world, right? BlackRock and Sustain Analytics, all these corporate shells. And you think Larry Fink is actually sort of sitting in the emperor's chair behind the the curtain uh, pulling the levers? (laughs) Right. By the way, I was right. I just found that here. An oil company can still have a good overall ESG score because of how the companies operate. Exxon Mobil Corp is an oil company that exhibits forward-looking ESG practices. Oh, no. Is BBB, which is above an average score, and it's sustain, sustain analytics. By the way, that's one word. ESG risk score is 32.4. I'm just saying there's so that, that just shows you what we said. That's political, then. I'm sorry, because it, it would go against their own – because they make it environmental sustainability and governance so you can – um, you know, do well in some other category if you're messing up the environment and they like you anyway. I, I don't know who's doing this, but it just seems like another way to rate to remember the China and the social credit score, which is pro- problematic. Um, you know, although I, I don't I know the U.S. really condemns that, but you wonder how much of that is being going on here. and We just don't know about it. Well, it, it already is effectively. I, I got booted off a of fundraiser. I got booted off of Patreon. You know, basically, I've got a low social credit score uh, because of my views on controversial issues. So it's already being applied to little guys over here. But frankly, I I, I think it's good that China can uh, essentially force large corporations to act in ways that would benefit the majority of the Chinese people. Having a government that's strong enough to do that so that the oligarchs live in fear of their government is good, but it's not good for the Chinese government to be overreaching and harassing the little guys. So that's where I, I think uh, you know, I agree with part of China's overall approach to things. And I think they're run by very competent mandarins. But I certainly don't agree with their philosophy of total social control of everybody down to the lower levels. Instead, that kind of power should be focused on the uh, elite and keeping the wealthy, powerful people from uh, essentially seizing power and running amok. They should be harnessed. The wealthy, successful, powerful people should be harnessed and their work should benefit everybody rather than destroying the commons as happens in the West. Well, I read today, I don't know if it's true that people have to wear um, their watches or bracelets with you know, some kind of monitoring device to monitor your, your um, mandatory, your, your temperature and all that. See, from if you if you pass from um, where, um, Hong Kong, and, and you have to wear these brace, they showed images of it. Like they're like they look like 
a cross between a medical thing and hospital and a watch. I'm not sure how it works, but monitor your your um, temperature for the COVID. And and you know this is you know that's, I think, I think that's, that's Hong Kong. Isn't that that's doing that? That I'm sorry. Yeah, that's it, that's in Hong Kong, I believe. We're, we're covering that story for False Flag Weekly News tomorrow. That that's a bit too Orwellian for me. I mean, some no matter what government it is, I'm not. You know, I don't pick a side. I mean, I just every government makes mistakes. But I'll tell you, when you start going down this path of that, and lo, didn't and they they did show a lot of images of China welding the apartment shut. I mean, people had to die that didn't have a lot of extra food there. That's all BS. Um, these COVID restrictions that are insane. I know they arrested somebody in California paddleboarding, um, and that guy Newsom, the fraud, says, "Come here where it's free." Yeah, where you can't paddleboard. There's no one around you in the water. You're arrested because the beaches were closed and during COVID. I mean, that, that sounds almost as bad as Australia. So, right, and I, I don't, I don't uh, like I say, I don't care which the governor. I'm not defending left wing, right wing, communist, whatever it is. If you pull that stuff, it's not freedom. Sounds sounds good to me, Lori. Okay, we'll have to end on a note of agreement. So thank you so much, Lori yes. Price, Citizens for Legitimate Government, which is on the web at legitgov.org. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much for having me on. I had a great time. Thank you. Me too. All right. Take care. Thanks. That's great price. Somehow we missed Ralph Linkman. But I'll tell you how to get to the picnic in the second hour. Pick for that. We'll be right back.